When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Husker fans, welcome to episode 181 of the Husker Football Fan Podcast. I'm Mike Harvat. And I'm Justin Swanson. In today's episode, we recap the virtual spring game and catch up with Chris Hetty to talk about what sports writers work on when there are no sports. We also do a deep dive into the rise of Skywalker because there are no sports. You can find us on the web at huskerpod.com or by searching Husker Football Fan Podcast on Facebook. You can also connect with us on Twitter by following at huskerpod or email us at huskerpod at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Central Nebraska Buffalo. Check out their website at cnbuffalo.com. Justin Pop Quiz, who's your favorite Gungan? Boss Nass. Oh, Yusa in big doo doo this time. <laughs> Are we trying to lose listeners the moment we start? <laughs> oh, boy. That was the only one I could think of besides Jar Jar. Yeah, honestly, he's probably the only one whose name I can remember, too. And I probably owe a lot of that to the Weird Al song about uh, mm. the saga. Mm-hmm. The Saga Begins is the title of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, but let, let's let's save the Star Wars talk for the end, then. Oh, do we have to? I, I think it's in the interest of our podcast that we do. <laughs> That's your... I, I appreciate your thoughtful pause there as if there was any potential of <laughs> us going a different direction. <laughs> so uh, so we, we had kind of a spring game this weekend, and yeah, just, I thought it was fun. I think the thing that made it for me was Matt Davison's commentary. Like, if, if he were not giving the self-aware uh-huh. comments here and there throughout i don't know if i would have survived that man that's true yeah <laughs> that i mean they did a great job but when they were just playing it straight mm-hmm. um it felt like it could have been a video game like the comments being, yeah oh. you know generic enough and then not knowing like the players inside and out in their stories because they're youths right now you know Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that, that's an interesting observation. Yeah. Uh, they really sold it and they really did a good job. And, uh, yeah, the, the jokes about like, yeah, the sideline looks really dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, the crowd was full all the way at the end of the game. I mean, not only do we <laughs> sell out a practice, but we stay all the way to the end. It was a good game. Yeah. And, and speaking of quote unquote, selling it out, I think what the statistics were at least 20,000 people, I, I just read 25. In. Yeah, so 25,000. And that's with the assumption that every single one of those people is watching it by themselves. You know, like, oh, sure. pro- probably multiply that by at least two for a realistic yeah. uh, a, a realistic estimate of how many people were watching at any given time. We're not just talking about practice. We're talking about fake practice. <laughs> oh, that's so great. So I don't know about you. But I was just along for the ride. I thought, you know, I thought maybe someone was playing it, but it was going so quickly. Clearly, like, 
there would be a time where if someone was actually playing it, they would be thinking about it, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know what to do right now, as opposed to just making the calls. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but there came a point, probably when the extra point was blocked and the and they realized that meant that it was two touchdowns and two two-point conversions would tie it. At that point, I was like, oh, wait a second. Is this scripted? But then you <laughs> had a tweet that I think was the real story behind how they got to that point. Yeah, well, I, I, my guess was that they ran the simulation several times and then picked what it, whichever game had the most exciting ending. Um, but at the same time, I've seen people saying that the first half was simulated and the second half was actually, what was it, Wandale and uh, Cambridge Taylor were actually well, that's playing? They, that's certainly what they wanted you to think. I think that they just recorded that at the end kind of as like a put-on, like, oh, it was all just a game. But people actually think that that was what they did. I don't yeah. I, I don't know. Mike, you had you had some, some other tweets I thought offered a good insight into like how, explain to our listeners and me how it is that we have like this game in this state. Like, oh, why, sure. why is it well, that we were able to do this? I, Walk us through the EA Sports history. Well, okay. all the EA Sports history. <laughs> sure, okay, go and ahead. And then you pick it up from there. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a game, NCAA football, from EA Sports, and Sam Keller and a bunch of other guys joined in a lawsuit saying, you may not be putting our names on the jerseys, but you have our likenesses, and that's clearly me, and you're making money off of me, and you're not supposed to do that. And so they killed it. They killed the game. Um... But some people didn't want it to die. Yeah. Uh, so this was roughly a half decade ago that they put the kibosh on it. The last NCAA football game produced by EA Sports was uh, NCAA 14. And yeah. what what happened was a, uh, a community, an underground community of modders, uh, sprung what, up, and for modder? those of you who don't know what modders are, um, that what's the motto with you? Oh, what's the motto? No, um, basically, people took the time uh, to, in a, in a sense, reverse engineer the game so they could figure out how to edit certain variables, and the next thing you know, you can su- you can plug in information to keep the game up to date and update the rosters and and have statistics be current even though you're playing an old game. So each year they would basically revamp the game based on the previous year's statistics for each team. As you can imagine, that's a lot of numbers, um, but these people were diehard fans and they loved playing this game and so they've kept it alive for you know, six plus years at this point. Um, at the same time, I've also seen that there are uh, mods to, I think, like one of the newest Madden games. They've actually figured out a way to kind of breathe new life into that community by using a more current game with more. Oh, that makes. I was gonna say, so it's just 2014 every year. Yeah, that that's what it's been for for several years. But I think that within like the last year or so, they're starting to migrate from one to the other but presumably um because i saw people observing on twitter that oh the east stadium expansion is not a part of the stadium yet yeah 601 seats were not yeah there so because of that it leads me to believe that they're actually using one of these ncaa 14 mods to run Hmm. this simulation so did so do you think somebody in the athletic department like uh 
is on on this like Reddit subgroup or something? Oh, or do you think they like someone paid someone, or they just like downloaded it and did it, or what? Uh, we're we're talking about people guess. who are tech savvy, who are diehard about Nebraska football. I guarantee that that somebody. You know, it's some nerd raised his hand in a meeting a couple weeks ago and said, actually, I got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is history. Um, interestingly, it did have EA's branding on it. So in some capacity, this thing has the blessing of EA Sports, hmm. despite it being some some kind of dated mod of a game that hasn't been updated in forever. So... <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, that is. Well, see, you can talk about formations and the X's and O's and all kinds of like in-depth Husker football talk, but we start talking about modding video games. Oh man, that's when I can talk like I know something. It's where you're, uh, you're, you really shine. Yeah. No, actually, I, I just was gonna say something to that point or something X's and O's related, which is. It was the offenses they were running were clearly <laughs> not like they modded in the players, but they didn't mod in the offenses. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. <laughs> and it was it what I don't I have so I did spend a lot of time in college, which was I graduate when did I graduate from college? Two thousand seven. So I I played through maybe it was six or maybe it was seven extensively. Like I did a whole season. Of course, I was the Huskers, and everybody in my my dorm room had a different team in a different conference and. I was telling my wife that I think I lost to Oregon in the national championship game. And I think I spiked in anger, the, the PlayStation controller, which was not, <laughs> did not belong to me. Um, I think it was Doug, Doug, if you're listening and you aren't, but I apologize for that. It was me. Anyway, I, I spent a lot of time on it. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was really interesting. And I tweeted as much in the first half, like Tommy Frazier was just like standing in the pocket, mm-hmm. just standing there. Yep. <laughs> it's like they're not even trying to run him. And then in the second half, he scrambled a little bit more. And um, I, I don't know. I think I think I saw he had over 450 yards and um, really dominated and brought them back and made a really uncharacteristic jump pass <laughs> to just throw the interception to lose the game, which I thought it was just going to be so appropriate that Tommy Frazier won it. I mean, much respect to Eric Crouch. He won the Heisman. He earned the Heisman. His team did not win the national championship. I mean, Tommy Frazier, I, you know, he's got two. Greatest team in Husker <laughs> history, I mean. Sure. Speaking of greatest team in Husker history, I thought actually the most interesting part of the whole deal was the halftime interview with Tom Osborne mm. where he did kind of a, an extended talk about the spring game leading into the 1995 season the greatest, you know, the greatest team in college football history. And not only that, part of the reason it was the greatest team is they had this QB depth. You had Brooke, who they were showing highlights of him running the option, and I forgot, you know, you forget how dynamic he was as a runner. I, I don't know. I just think of him more as like a pocket guy because I think yeah. that's what he would have been in the Well, NFL. I mean, that that was the narrative is that Tommy was the runner, he was the passer. Yeah, right? but he was. He was very dynamic with his feet. Um, so you had those two fully healthy for the first time. And Tom pointed out that it wasn't Tommy's fault that he had the blood clots. And then, but and in Brooke, of course, had led us to a number of important victories. And, and then Terman had been an important guy. And then you have Frost as a transfer and you have Ryan held uh, our running backs coach now was also a quarterback at that time. And I think someone else. And so there was a lot of great quarterbacks 
uh, on the team. And then also he didn't call the plays in the spring games. His assistants did. And he said, you know, I might have wanted to just hand it off because I'm stuck in the past. He made some sort of joke. It's like you're in the midst of like the greatest run in modern history. I don't think (laughs) it's kind of false modesty, but we get your point. You would have just run it. And so the assistants wanted to air it out. So there was like 500 yards of passing offense that day, um, which, you know, one of the most dominant rushing attacks in modern history as well or in any in college football history that that fall. Uh, Such an interesting prelude to what was to come. So. That might have been the most interesting part. But when it's all said and done, and I think I tweeted this yesterday, I, I'd watch another one of these. But then again, upon further reflection, was it just really exciting because I'm so starved for football? Like if we had a normal football cycle, I don't know if there would be a, an appropriate time for something like this. Yeah, I think I think it's the latter. I think it's kind of like, kind of like today's episode where... <laughs> We're going to be talking about Star Wars for years. Justin, for years we have said we should do some kind of a bonus episode where we talk about something off topic, where we do a, a movie review or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in five years, it never happened. But suddenly we have the opportunity and the time to do something like what we're doing today. <laughs> suddenly. Can't do that. We're got copyrights oh apple's gonna shut us down i'll just uh i'll just garble your speech there so nobody knows it was what probably you're saying pretty garbled enough i don't think yeah <laughs> i'm not too worried about it um i'm still gonna have fun with it so justin you have a uh you have an article that you've linked in our document here that i think is worth spending some oh, time yeah. on before we get into our conversation with mr hetty mike i'm alt tabbing away from your face so i can look oh so bill Connolly. We're big fans here on the show of Bill Connolly. Um, I can't remember, Mike, how many seasons have we talked about his SP plus numbers every game? I want to say, three years, I want to say it's years, been about the whole three time? years. Yeah. I would say it's been about three years at least, if not four. <laughs> I remember there. Yeah. I remember there came a point where we were like, we're just really off the cuff here. Let's bring some numbers into this. And we probably ripped it off from the buck around. Um, or we're May they rest in peace. Rather. Yeah. So, uh, Bill Connolly, we're we're heavily influenced by by his work with SP Plus. Had uh, really interesting piece published earlier this week, where he talked about how the last few seasons, and maybe last season in particular, it was popular to be high on Nebraska and Texas, and he was not high on Nebraska and Texas because his formula wasn't. And lo and behold, Nebraska and Texas didn't perform well, um, you know, kind of being more like his numbers than what preseason national talking heads thought. And so then now this year, um, after that kind of false hope, it's an inverse where people are saying, oh, Nebraska, Texas, they're not going to be any good. But his SP plus projections have Texas as a top 15 team and Nebraska as a top 25 team. And so his the, the whole purpose of his article is like, okay, so I realize I'm the opposite perspective here, um, but what would it take for Nebraska to be a top 25 team? And um, so I just wanted to, to run through that here because I think it's super, super good, super relevant. And, you know, Lord willing, we've got a season 
Um, I think it's this is the stuff we are, we're going to be watching for. I don't know if this, you know, last year we tracked Frost key stats. I don't know if every game, I don't know if this is something we want to track every game, but I think it's going to be some some stuff to keep mm-hmm. in mind. So the first thing is red shirts must pay off. We talked about this a lot last year, especially on the offensive and defensive line, but also skill positions. Frost redshirted a ton of guys last year. A ton of guys. And um, I think he was pretty confident that he was going to have a winning season. And so, you know, hindsight being 2020, maybe you should have burned or maybe even mid mid season. It might have been apparent we needed to burn a couple um, to get up another win or two. He didn't. Um, so now he needs those guys to produce. Uh, I, this was a great quote that, that re- we tweeted to his credit. Frost never seemed to treat 2019 as breakout time after signing the 18th ranked class of 2019. He didn't start ripping red shirts off willy nilly looking for every possible edge and pushing for a big season. Um, uh, despite the pressure that comes from heavy hype, Frost crafted his lineup with an eye towards the future. So the future is now. So that was the, that was the first point, and um, yeah, certainly something we've talked a lot about. The second point I think has been hit heavily by by beat reporters here in Nebraska, and you know anybody who is paying attention to Big Ten football, you have to defend the run in Big Ten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you got to be able to. And we thought, I we thought coming into last season that that was going to be a strength. I thought I certainly mm-hmm. did. Um, with with um, the Davis twins up front, with Damian and Darian Daniels, um, and uh, <laughs> as he points out here, Just didn't if you him. had a good, yeah, if you had a good run game, like if your team was good at rushing the ball in 2019, you had a great run game against Nebraska, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Minnesota's top two backs averaged a combined 34 carries and 239 yards against the defense. Um, there was a time when those would be an entire team's stats against Nebraska. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so you lose the Davis twins, you lose Daniels and, um, you know, big question marks. And I don't know how much, uh, those new guys are going to be able to plug in those red shirted guys. There's a quote recently from, um, one of the, uh, one, I can't remember who it was. One of our assistants saying, well, I think it was Chenander saying the guys that are coming up now that we've recruited, that they've recruited to the system are really tall, long guys with quite a huge wingspan. And so um, that means that there's less chance of someone slipping through, I guess, is, is his observation. Like, even if you're not in the right position, you're bigger. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, I don't know if that's a, a super sophisticated, you know, there, <laughs> like reason to there hope. is something to be said, though. I mean, th- there have been years where, Nebraska lines up against, you know, plug in a team name and it's very apparent that their entire line is bigger than our guys. So I think that there might be something to that. He says, uh, he points out that size isn't going to be a problem this next year. Junior Damian Daniels is six foot three, three forty. Ty Robinson is six foot six, three fifteen, and Keem Green, Jakeem Green is six foot four, three fifteen. <laughs> so got got size up front. I mean uh Carlos and Khalil, they maybe weren't like huge, but they were also very athletic. So mm-hmm. I think that probably could have made up for for the size there. Um, but yeah, I mean, huge point. We got to stop the run, and and uh, it's going to be a tough a tough season, especially those last five games. Um, we'll know a lot by the time we hit those last five games. We should probably have a pretty good idea what's going to happen. Don't you think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, that last month could be 
It could be a slow motion car accident, or it could be one where it's like, you know what? We've, we've grown, we've advanced like this, you know, buckle up. We'll see what happens. Yeah, man, that, that, that brings me back to, um, man, I, I've watched a few college football games on YouTube over the last couple of weeks just to kind of scratch that itch. It's weird being in like mid April and it's still kind of feeling like it's the middle of winter because you're spending so much time inside. So naturally I just start gravitating to watching college football games on TV. Um, and the thing that has stuck out to me in these random games that I'm watching, I just I just uh, consulted with the CFB subreddit on reddit.com, and on I I logged into reddit.com on the World Wide Web using my web browser. Um, <laughs> no, um, <laughs> sorry. But I, I, I just kind of asked people, hey, without telling me the score, give me some good games from college football over the last 20 years or so, right? And I've been watching these games, Clemson and Notre Dame, and and I, that's the one that comes to mind. Was I, I watched the, um, the Hurricane game from a few years ago. And it's just, it's crazy to me how regardless of who loses these games how competitive the game is and and that's that's my thing is even over and above a winning record this year as long as nebraska is competitive as long as they are stopping the wrong as as long as they are doing what they need to do to win the game but then still lose because the other team is better i'm i'm actually kind of okay with that just because like I'm just sick and tired of these games. Like it's not fun to sit and watch your team just not measure up. And that's what it's been. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it hasn't even been like a, well, we fought hard, but, but you know, we're still a couple years away. It's been like, what the heck happened? They ran all over us. And so, yeah, I, I hope that that second point from Connolly rings true this year. There's just, just at the very least, our guys are doing what they're supposed to. Regardless yeah. of we win or lose. Yeah, I feel like we made we we're making some strides, but the Ohio State game last year was still just I think it might have I might have had a uh you know, heads up worst loss in Husker history was this score differential, so something to keep yeah. an eye on kind of moment. Um and then the, the Minnesota game you also think of one where we just couldn't get anything going and it just felt like you couldn't stop them. So those are a couple games. But Wisconsin and uh, Iowa were two games, you know, important games in division, you know, kind of two uh, benchmark teams that were so mm-hmm. close. So, you know, we didn't get blown out by either of those guys and that. But neither game looked good, right though. <laughs> neither right, game yeah. looked good. <laughs> right. Well, okay. The, the third point uh, from Connolly's piece was rediscover offensive efficiency. And this, you know, this was interesting. Um you look at Martinez, and um, he he cites 83 uh, – Connolly cites Martinez through 83 passes at or behind the line of scrimmage, completing 75%. And he, Connolly's saying this is basically an extended handoff, and 85% is like a minimum on these. And that while Martinez is successful um, down the field and intermediate throws, um, these – Outside the hash mark, zero to twenty yards downfield passes sh- shouldn't be hard. He's fifty-one percent with two touchdowns and six interceptions. So you've got 
what I see is is real opportunity there where you have, you know, I say easy. I'm not a college football quarterback. I don't want to undervalue the enormous amount of work Martinez is putting in. But when you look at like throwing the deep ball, like that's really hard to get make improvement on. But this seems like an area where uh, he could make a big jump. Hmm. I hope he's going in the backyard and throwing through tire swings every day while he's quarantined. Uh, that would be that would be good use of his time. <laughs> Whatever he's doing. Uh, Connolly points to Omar Manning coming coming in as a guy who could make a really big difference. He says you never want to rely too much on savior transfer to turn things around, but he's exactly what the passing game lacked last season. His readiness or lack thereof could have a huge impact. So big dude, he can contest. You know, go up for contested balls. Yeah, he could be a big difference maker. See, Justin, we're we're talking about football on this podcast. You betcha. It's not all Star Wars, but we are going to get to Star Wars today. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. Well, hey, should we uh, should we introduce our conversation with Chris? Because we, we talked with Chris for a while, and we didn't just talk about Star Wars. Yeah, by the time we're done here, I think that we might have more football talk on today's episode than Star Wars talk. Hey, that that's probably good. That's um, why people are here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, so uh, has it been a week? I think we talked to him yeah, a week ago. It's been a good week. In what you know, in in the midst of what would have been spring practice, and just asked him, "What uh, what are you doing these days?" <laughs> and he was, you know, he's candid about what what kind of stuff a sports writer does at the Omaha World Herald and and probably other other places when uh, there's no sports happening. So, uh, really interesting conversation. And then we did uh, we did have an extended conversation on the rise of, Star- of Skywalker. So if you're not into Star Wars, uh, you know, feel free to skip that. But uh, or listen because you might learn something. Spoilers, you know, oh, if yeah. you haven't seen the movie and care about spoilers, like this movie, we're not, we're gonna spoil like nine movies. Yeah, it's maybe twelve. It's great. So, so yeah, if you haven't seen Star Wars, maybe don't listen to it. If you aren't into Star Wars, some of the stuff just won't even make sense to you. But, but seriously though, um, you know, Chris Hetty's a guy who who tells stories for a living and. And uh, I think one of the most, and I think I probably said this in, in the interview we're about to play, but I think one of the most interesting things about being a Nebraska football fan is the narrative arc of the program, of the state, of the relationship between the state and the program, and um, and how that is defined who we are as a people here in Nebraska and uh, the uniqueness that provides um, to the culture of Nebraska. So, you know. That I my I think the biggest reason I am a Husker fan is because of the stories, and I think, um, I think that was why twenty five thousand people tuned in for this virtual spring game. Is you know each of these guys on the field represents you know a hundred hundreds thousands of stories that we all care about, and uh, so anyway, you know, great storytelling is what society is built on, and so if you care about stories, you should keep listening. So without further ado. Here's our conversation with Chris Hetty. We are here today with Chris Hetty of the Clickbait Podcast. Nice! How about that? <laughs> wow! Uh, what a shout out! Also, the Omaha World Herald. <laughs> <laughs> that should be my Twitter bio. Co-host uh, of the of the of the Clickbait podcast also works at the World Herald. Yeah. <laughs> oh my so, gosh. So um, we're we want to talk about a few things that we care about. Primarily, uh, we're here to talk about uh, Star Wars. Um, 
But uh, I think first, I think our listeners might be curious. I know I am. Uh, what uh, what does a sports writer do when there's no sports? Yeah. Um, so the good thing is, is that we're still kind of going off for my, for my beat, at least we're still kind of going off fumes of basketball season. So like right now, Nebraska basketball still. So the first wave was like, for me, at least dealing with what happened in Indianapolis. Right. Mm. And like, like reporting all of that out and figuring out what happened. And so there was the first wave. The second wave was like, okay, because the original plan was, you know, you go to Indianapolis, you about the game or whatever, but you also collect stuff for the next, I mean, you talk to Fred Hoiberg and the players and you collect stuff for the next, you know, two weeks for stories on what happened that season, what went wrong, you know, what's the future look like, all these things. Well, we didn't get to talk to anybody um, because Fred was wheeled out on a wheelchair to the hospital before the game ended. So your, your tweets from that evening were really eerie. That was the, that was... I still can't believe what happened happened. It was unbelievable. It was surreal following it on Twitter. I was talking to my editor about it yesterday um, because I filed a story. So that all that happened and what I did was I got back to my hotel and I was like, okay, I wanted an updated version because what I didn't want is to go to bed and wake up and the first thing people read in the paper or online at like seven or eight in the morning is like, Here's what happened. At a, here's the most updated thing from like 11, like from when we printed. Right. So I was like, I'm just going to refile a new story with like everything I've got, like all the details, just like, here's everything. And so I filed that at like two in the morning and I woke up the next morning and read it and had been kind of, it'd been cut a little bit, um, like just some details and some small things. And I mean, I mean, you said newspapers that that happens. Um, but I was talking to, I mean, so this is March 11th, March 12th. So this is mm. really before, yeah, everything got really, really bad. This was like right in the middle of it. And I was talking to an editor yesterday, actually, and he was like, you know, we I knew it was a big deal, but the more you like, the further away we get to it, the more of a big deal it seems. You know what I mean? Like the more I think we realize of the potential danger everybody was in mm. and how, I mean, Fred Hoiberg was the center of a global pandemic for about three hours. Like he he, he literally was. Like there was national news outlets to the point where um like the next morning you know literally from the washington post to the seattle times so both coasts had an update on his status like because that was there was that much in, much interest um just a surreal weird experience anyway so there was like dealing with that fallout and then trying to deal with okay well that was a really bad season so we need to acknowledge that and we need to acknowledge okay what went wrong and you know, we have to do that without quotes. So you have to try and find stats for it. And so that was kind of the second wave. And now we're kind of in the like roster rebuild wave still. So it's people transferring and people coming back and um, Nebraska is able to actually sign people next Wednesday. So then we'll be able to talk to Fred Hoiberg about the class and kind of move it forward. So we're still, I mean, lucky for me, there's still enough stuff to write about every week that I can get, you know, I, I'm still somewhat busy um, but I mean, I also acknowledge that, you know, there's not a lot of sports going on right now and there's a lot of news. So if news needs something, I can get a phone call at any time. Hey, we need you to write X, Y, Z. You know what I mean? So that's why yesterday they were like, Hey, we need you to write a story about this MMA fighter who beat up a home intruder, you know, um, it's a crazy story. 
Yeah, that was a weird one too. That one, that's terrifying. I like, I definitely make sure I lock my doors now because I mean, not that I didn't before, um, <laughs> but like, um, so, I mean, there's, I mean, so like Sam McCune, I know um, when he sends his budget of like, what's going on in the week, he'll, he'll say, Hey, like these two days news wants me to do a story on this or whatever. Mm. Or, um, you know, we did a, we did this project one of the first few weeks, like a couple weeks ago, just, here's what Omaha looked like for 24 hours in a day. Oh yeah. Um, and it was funny because there was an email to the whole newsroom, like, Hey, you know, if you guys are interested in doing this project, it's, we're going to do it on a Wednesday. Um, if you have that day free, you know, any reporter in the newsroom, whatever. And so we hopped on a conference call on think I'm on Monday and like more than half of the reporters that were on there were sports reporters because yeah. we were like, <laughs> we need to find things to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's kind of, for me, it's lucky because I'm a little busy, but I think once like if we kind of continue down this road where in, you know, on May 10th, there's still, you know, nothing to write about. It'll be a little different. I think, I think there'll be a lot more sports writers writing news and general assignment stuff. I, I can see like journalism students 50 years from now, assuming there are still our journalism students, like doing a study, like reading a textbook on things sports writers wrote during COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, there's like the Kansas City Star, I know they've, they have straight up told a lot of their sports writers, like they, a lot of the stuff they've been writing is straight news, mm-hmm. which I mean, not to, you know, perform my platform here, but the reason why sports writers need to have a background in journalism and news is because of this. You know what I mean? Like you need to be able to write news. You need to be able to know how to like find, like navigate the justice system. You need to know how to call police departments. You need to know how to interview people that aren't athletes or coaches, because Mm -hmm. like if you work for a reputable outlet, um, you're not just going to be writing only gamers and you know what I mean? Gamers and columns. So, so that's the way it is. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. why I think, I, I heard, uh, I can't remember where I heard it, but I heard some writer say once, if you can write about sports, you can write about anything because sports writers kind of have to, especially baseball writers, like, like God bless them because they have to write something every single day of the summer and they have to find something. And we hear so many of the same repeating phrases. So, you know, you kind of inherently know, okay, this is a good quote. This isn't kind of how to you know cycle through things. So that's why I think in some ways sports reporters are, able to kind of flip over and do that because they've you know we have to show up to a press availability and there's three people saying the same thing and there's 10 other people that are also getting the same information and you have to write something that's compelling even though everyone has the same information. you know what i mean so it's you have to kind of that's a spring practice right there yeah i know this is this would have been brody belt week so like we're talking to third fourth string lock-ons at this point yeah, writing about how excited they are to play like that. That's where we would have been. So it's Brody, kind of yeah, because he was the like the the running back story last spring, right? Didn't he? Okay, didn't he lead the team in rushing yards in the spring game last year? Is that right? Oh, I mean that very well could be because they were they were excited for this influx of talent and Maurice didn't come. And yeah, so that that very well could be. Yeah, because I remember that, I remember that being a thing. Yeah, yeah, just because it's always there's some walk on from you know middle of nowhere or from omaha or lincoln who gets his first media availability that's that's where we're at so we don't get that this year what uh what's this the football beat gonna look like through april now with without spring i mean i feel like you guys are might have to get into the realm of like fan podcasts where you're talking about hypothetical lineups and you know you just want to see our name in print Justin. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i mean i think 
you kind of have to go to the edges for football now. I mean, because they're basically, I mean, they're not talking. You know, Scott Frost, I imagine, won't talk. Um, he's not yet. He's spoken once, and it was for nine minutes on a radio on show. The radio, yeah. Um, and no players have spoken. Um, and no assistant coaches have spoken, I don't believe. Bill Moose is kind of the one that's really talking. Um, so there's just this vacuum of like, all right, well, and you also don't really want to start being like, here, let's predict the season because you don't, you know, you don't know one, if there's going to be one, two, if there is one, then like what games are going to be played and three, what players are actually going to be there and four, when practices are even going to start. Like, it's hard to take that step of like, okay, well, let's, let's project forward when we yeah. can't write about what's going on right now. Cause you don't really know what forward looks like, you know? Um, so, I mean, I think it'll be a lot of, um, I don't think you're super far off. I think it'll be a lot of like, you know, I had a, I had a night story idea of like, what if you write something about um, why Nebraska fans think it's worth their time to spend all this time promoting and voting on online polls, <laughs> like to, to a like cultish extent, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and, uh, or doing a story on, I mean, there are obviously people on Twitter who, spend hours upon hours tweeting at recruits basically mm. saying like come to Nebraska and that's how they spend a lot of their time. Like why they think that that's worth their time and kind of the relationship with Nebraska basketball or with Nebraska football and just kind of the like craziness with the fandom, you know, that's where we're going to be. I think in a month where like we need to start thinking about things that we wouldn't ever have time to do right now, but are interesting about the sport. Mm. or the athletic department you know yeah. that's probably i'm sure that at. there's people that have a list of like stories i'd like to get to someday oh yeah we're probably gonna be pulling out <laughs> oh yeah i know that's where tom was where when we started talking about um and dirk too where we started talking about different projects or things to do they're both like i've got a bunch of things that are basically written or are our ideas in my head that i just have we haven't had time to get to so let's just do them now you know mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean, might as well. Fascinating. Something to look forward to. Well, you guys ready to transition to Star Wars? Sure. I'm for it. So uh, this is Chris's, what, third, fourth? I think this is at least the fourth time, if not the fifth time you've been on our podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, I'd say at least five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just o- over the years, it has kind of just naturally come out in our conversation as new Star Wars movies released that we kind of all have a shared interest in these films. Um, and so uh, at the beginning of the podcast, Justin asked, what does a sports writer do when there are no sports? I guess part of the answer to that question is talk about Star Wars on the Husker <laughs> Football Fan Podcast. I was, I was literally just thinking that. I was like, this is one of those things too where it's like, in a different universe right now, I'm working on like tracking Nebraska recruiting and doing all these stories. And also I've got this tight ends feature I need to finish for Sunday. And also, you know what I mean? <laughs> like trying mm-hmm. to figure out my plans for spring game, but no, I got plenty <laughs> of time now. <laughs> well, and also I think we, we had hoped to do this back in December and I think we couldn't get all three of our schedules aligned too. Mm, like you know, that's back when right. it first came out or maybe mm-hmm. even January and the football season was so rough there at the end that, we took a little bit of break too. And yeah. so we're getting around to it now. Cause it's yeah. kind of like this all starts going down. Spring practice gets canceled. And Mike and I are like, well, what kind of like you're talking about, Chris, what stories have we wanted to talk about? What, what do we want to do? Let's, so let's talk about the rise of Skywalker. 
Yeah. Um, for, for years, Justin, you and I have talked about doing something like this, some kind of a, like just a, a bonus episode. Um, but we've always kind of settled on, Oh, we got to wait for the right time to do something like that. Let's not just randomly do it. And, Mm -hmm. um, I guess this is, this is the time. Um, and what more appropriate time than, finishing out the Skywalker saga. I guess that would be my first question for you guys then is do you think that the sequel trilogy has given a fitting end to the Skywalker story? I know that's a huge question. <laughs> At least for Star Wars fans, that's a huge question. What do you think, Justin? You know, if you I have can the read Justin's no written face. all of your <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Uh, I uh, I don't I, I really like the character of Ray. I'll mm-hmm. say that. Um, I know many folks like you can't talk about how the Skywalker saga concludes in the third one without addressing how it the turn it takes in the second one, which you know many were up in arms about. Though I think few recall that that second that second is forced the hand is forced by the end of the first. Where, which is the whole movie of the first, which is hunting down Luke, who's become a recluse. Um, so, you know, this was one direction that it could go. And Ryan Johnson tried to take it. In a, did I say that right? Ryan Johnson? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ryan Johnson. Mm-hmm. One of my college roommates was Ryan Johnson. I suddenly <laughs> was overcome with self doubt. Uh, uh, took it in a direction, uh, you know, he kind of committed and then. A lot of people didn't like that. So JJ tried to jerk it back. And after having set that course in the first place, and I don't know, it, it was fine. I, I think more and more uh, my opinion on Star Wars is I'm a, I'm a pre Disney guy, pre prequel. I'm a original three mm-hmm. guy. So when I say Star Wars and I love Star Wars more and more, I think of the original three and this is all just like this additional M- Mickey mouse making money. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it was fun. I think I, I agree with you from this part. I think the problem with the final three is that they don't go well in conversation with each other. You know what I mean? Like the, the original trilogy, it's like, here's the adventures. Like, here's the you know story of a hero. Here's the turn of the hero in the second movie. Here's the conclusion of this hero and all of these different like adventures. Right. Number one, or excuse me. So the, one, two, and three, the next trilogy is like, here's how we explain why the villain existed, right? And we explain, we just give the full universe. And that itself encapsulated with like, that was fine. Like that was whatever. This one had a difficult challenge because you had to build off of, because in in some ways, the prequels didn't really build anything. Mm -hmm. They just added things. They basically added a ton of foreshadowing. And, and you can do a lot, you can make a lot of decisions in that space that it doesn't necessarily impact like the sixth movie. You know what I mean? The sixth movie still exists. That's how it ends. So you feel pretty happy about it. The, this trilogy had a task of like, we're going to build off of six and we're going to that satisfied feeling that everybody had after, you know, six, we're going to jeopardize that by creating another ending to this beloved, you know, multi-decade story and six i thought was or excuse me seven i thought was brilliant because it yes it repeated a lot of the it it like hit on the nostalgia it repeated a lot of the plot points but it was also comfortable 
and it kind of eased you into like, okay, we know that you loved six and we know you loved four. So we're going to nod to that, but also we're taking these new characters in a different direction. We're going to add some mystery and, you know, we're going to have this character that everybody loved. They're going to be around for a while. And also this character that you, you also love, he's not here, but we're going to go find him. And then when we get, you know what I mean? Like there was enough elements of new and old and seven ended in a perfect way, in my opinion, because it was like, okay, they've set everything up. Now, what are they going to do for eight and nine? And eight changed everything where they basically said, you know, everything that you think Star Wars should be, we're going to change it. Nothing is about genealogy anymore. Um, You don't really know who's good and who's bad, which is interesting because there was such a clear line in Mm -hmm. the prequels and the original show. There's such a clear line of who was good and who was bad. That is my biggest criticism of of Last Jedi. The point of eight is basically like, you don't know who's good and who's bad. And everyone has a little bit of everything. And also anybody can be a Jedi, which threw out basically everything that had previously been told to you. And also Leia can fly, which was the dumbest moment of my life. Um, <laughs> I was actually okay with that. <laughs> oh God, that was so dumb. That was such an easy out. They made everything so much more difficult <laughs> than they needed to be. And so then after they made eight, then there's nine and it's like handing it back to somebody who had originally done seven. And so the problem was, is that eight and nine don't play along well with each other and seven and eight don't play along with each other. And so nine had, I mean, <laughs> not to make a football metaphor here, but it's like going from Bo Pelini to Mike Riley to Scott Frost. All of a sudden <laughs> Scott Frost is there and he's like, all right, well, we're going to bring what? it back to what we know. Yeah, yeah. we're going to bring it back. We're going to bring it back to what happened. I mean, instead of the 90s, it's like oh, the late 70s and early 80s or, you know, like it. So so then nine had to basically pick up where it left off on seven and also try and scrub eight. And it's just there's you have to do so many different things. And I actually really liked nine. Um, but that's kind of where I could go on for for more. But I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious what you think about it, Mike, because you kind of you post. Yeah, question. no, I actually I have I've kind of settled on. Uh, a little bit of both uh, a little bit of what both of you guys are saying is i'm with justin in that something that kind of (laughs) psychologically has freed me from being too upset about anything that happens with these new movies is that i really do see everything post george lucas as fan fiction Mm -hmm. um especially knowing that they they were given a pretty decent outline from george lucas of what his sequel sequel trilogy would look like and they do were just like yeah let's let's uh i don't don't know you guys ever have you guys seen what is it that movie that was filmed in nebraska with uh jack nicholson was about schmidt was that it you know how how he gives them his whole box of like here's my life's work and then they're like oh yeah you can come by anytime and share your advice with us. And then he comes back like the next week and he finds all of his stuff in the dumpster. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like that's what Disney's done with George Lucas. They're like, Oh yeah, we love you. We want to honor your legacy. Y- you go ahead and give us input. And then George is like, well, here's what I was going to do. And they are like, nah, let's not. <laughs> um, but, but, but just viewing it as fan fiction uh, has kind of made me just kind of say, okay, so, Think of it as the expanded universe novels. A lot of that stuff was crazy and stupid and dumb, but it never caused any harm to what you knew was the actual story, right? And that's the kind of way, that's the way I look at the new movies. I love <laughs> Star Wars at this point. It's just kind of everybody playing in the same sandbox, using a lot of the same toys and seeing what they can come up with. And 
So I just love the event of going to a Star Wars movie. I mm-hmm. was one of the weirdos who went and saw The Phantom Menace in 3D when nobody else did because it's Star Wars. It's in the theater. I'm there, you know? Um, but I, I really think that the sequel trilogy, its greatest flaw is that they should have done it 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I think if if they were going to do this right... They should have used the original actors and told their story, finished their story first before doing the prequel trilogy. Because at this point, they were kind of painted into a corner where they had to do something different. They could not have done what the sequel trilogy would have done after essentially 30, 40 years had passed for the original actors. Um, so, is Mike, are you, so do you, are you under the impression that the, sequel trilogy that lucas outlined was much sooner after the original trilogy Is well his his thing was going to be about all their kids so it was going to be weird and different anyway so like george lucas it uh, like that's the thing is i might not have liked the new movies that george lucas made but those that was his right yeah, was to his tell vision, that story yeah. you know um and and so uh a kind of a an analogy that i really like that I heard from the Kive cast, which is the Star Wars Collectors Archive podcast. Um, kind of like how the Husker fa- Husker Football Fan podcast is the Husker Pod because its name is way too long. Um, the one of the hosts on that podcast, Guy Payne, he talked about how the the greatest tension in the new trilogy is it's kind of this passing on of the torch, right? So you have these these characters that we all know and love from the original trilogy, and it's like they go to pass on the torch and then they just don't let it go. You know, mm-hmm. it, it would have been better to either do a movie with all these old farts or do movies that focus like it is. It had to be so much Ray, but they were t- kind of trying to balance Luke and Ray as the same character in one trilogy. Like, how do you? work with that you know i was just thinking that too i almost feel like in, there's too many characters mm-hmm. i mean like this is a a weird example but my wife and i watched this the tv show this is us right and there's this character oh, yeah who, there's this character who goes on a monologue about how you know in star wars there's a lot of characters but it's really only about three people it's really mm-hmm. only about like three three or four people and his yep. point was like we're not one of those three um and <laughs> I think the so you could see so if you take that argument, the original trilogy is about like five people, maybe. Um, the prequels are about again, like five to seven people, maybe a little bit more if you count like Mace Windu or something. Like, it doesn't he, sure. he matters, yeah. not really. You know, <laughs> it's really about like Anakin and Obi Wan and, and Qui Gon and, and the Palpatine and all that. And Sheev, yeah, <laughs> lovely Sheev. Um, <laughs> the problem with this is like, I don't care even a little bit about Finn, don't yeah. care. He, yeah. he does nothing for me. I, I'm supposed to care about Poe and I kind of don't, and I kind of don't. Little, little and so bit. I have to worry about Luke and I have to worry about Leia and I have to worry about Ray and I also have to worry about Kylo. And so who's, who should I care? Like there, and also, Hey, there's Snoke. And Oh, by the way, there's also Pal- Palpatine now. And so the problem is like in a story of a hero, generally you have one hero and one villain. And I think main, the main problem with the prequels was like, I, you kind of always knew Count Dooku wasn't really the villain, and also like Darth Maul really wasn't the villain. There was somebody else, um, and in and in the original trilogy, it's Darth Vader and the Emperor, like, and they're the, on the same like they're together on a lot of scenes, like they are whatever. And and 
they repeated the mistake of the prequels with these final three because they pretended like Snoke was this, you know, big bad guy. And also, well, he wasn't. And also here's a new, also we're supposed to care about Kylo. And also here's a new Palpatine in the very last episode of this trilogy in which we hadn't heard about him in the previous two, but he was really, <laughs> yeah, and we're going to announce know? it on Fortnite. <laughs> yeah. It was like, this is so that I think is the, pro- I, I totally agree where it's like, there's, there was just a fundamental, I think, misunderstanding of what the point was. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that that comes back to what you were saying is that the, the new movies don't, they don't play well together. Like it, it, I mean that you'll hear that on the internet. Everybody's saying like, this is a great example of why you need a beginning and a middle and an end mapped out before you yeah, start making absolutely. the movies. <laughs> the only thing they needed to do was get in a room and decide what they were going to do. Mm-hmm. And just all like, even if, even if like just JJ write three movies and we can have somebody else direct the second one but then when they come in they don't have their own ideas and they can change things like i you know there's a certain flex that ryan johnson had of just like i'm gonna come in and do my own thing and just like destroy this and leave and let you guys figure it out and also make like (laughs) a movie that critics are gonna go wild about and so i can kind of you know be whatever um but yeah there because there isn't a like a third the thing i come back with too is like what was the point so what's the point of the of the final three movies? I don't really know. Yeah. You know, like like the, I don't I don't the point of the prequels is like get get Anakin this little boy to Darth Vader. The point of the original trilogy trilogy is like good and evil, family, all that stuff. What's the point of the final three? I, like I don't really know. Well, and and Mike, your original question was about this is a fitting conclusion to the Skywalker saga, and it's just so you just lose it. You know, you mm-hmm. lose that piece of it with the the original trilogy i mean the original star wars you've got a boy and you know at that point we know with hindsight that it's his dad but at that point we, he don't he doesn't know it's his family it's just his arrival in the universe good versus evil and then it expands with the next two and a family story and then you have the background with arriving at that you know that distance but then yeah moving forward uh the family fractured actors are dying in real life and in the movie. And, um, and so by the end we're going to have like, she's going to take the name uh, because there's just nobody left because they killed. (laughs) Yeah, man, that, yeah, that's, that's something I was thinking about heading into recording today is that. So I've, I've already done a kind of a rise of Skywalker recap with the star Wars podcast that I do. And I'm like, so what's something new that I can say? And, And the thing that I keep coming back to is, is like, man, I hadn't really thought about this before, but in 2015, when The Force Awakens was about to release, if you had told me, by the time this is done, regardless of, yes, it, it's it's been, it's awful that Carrie Fisher is gone. We all miss her in real life. Like, that's the real tragedy. But But if you had told me that by the time this story is told, they will have killed off one at a time in each movie... Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, and Princess Leia, I would have been like, I don't want to watch that. That (laughs) sounds awful to me. (laughs) The other thing is, is not only do they kill him off, but then it also doesn't really matter. Because Mm -hmm. then, like, Han Solo shows up again. And Luke shows up again. So it's like, well, what was the point of them dying if if he's still going to, like, give her advice all the time and be with her all the time anyway? That takes Mm -hmm. away the impact of them dying. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
the, the stakes have been taken away. I think that was a criticism I, I appreciated a lot about the rise of Skywalker is, is all of the major decisions don't ultimately have an impact because, and it's, Unfortunately, I, I didn't watch it really recently, but you know, a lot of the major disastrous things that happen um, are immediately undone or minimized by, oh, but we can do this. We can go there and solve this. And I found the thing to take me to the thing to get the right. thing. And it well, doesn't like, matter hey, Chewie got in that thing and then it blew up, but he's not dead because he it's actually like, wasn't in it. Yeah. And it's let's like, do it again in 20 minutes with C-3PO. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? I, was, I literally, before we recorded, I, watched, I rewatched the trailer to kind of remember everything and in the trailer, he's like, oh, I want to take one last look at my friends. And then he, that's not it. That's actually not true. They, yep. Then he like, you know, at the end of the movie, he's fine again. You know, like, it's, thank you. Thank you guys for remembering the things that make my point because I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that I mean, it's because it's a good point. And I like I love the race storyline. I actually really love the Ky- Kylo storyline. I liked I love the idea of them having this weird force connection and being able to like talk to each other. And that's all great. I just. I think they had a struggle to decide is this whole trilogy about Ray and Kylo or is it about Ray and this other, you know, or is it about Finn or, and, and also and all and like the buddy movie that the first trilogy had, because it, that that's what it really was. It was like a friendship group going through all these adventures together and you cared about them. And I think that there was an assumption by nine that like, we have to, get a Finn storyline in here somewhere or even eight of like, we need to get Finn and this new character Rose to go to a different planet that doesn't really mean anything. And they're going to meet Benicio del Toro and he's going to be an evil guy, but also a good guy. And that's going to explain all. And then it's just, okay, well, where's Ryan Kylo on all this? So what's, what's the, like, again, what's the actual point of the whole trilogy, which I don't, again, I think that's the reason why, there's kind of this unsatisfied feeling because it's like, I don't know what the point of that was other than to like show some cool things on a screen and make a lot of money. Yeah. So we're kind of, I think that we've kind of settled on the sequel trilogy is fine. (laughs) It's okay. It's it, it is what it is. I don't, I don't think, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's safe to say that we're all still star Wars fans and I'll, still watch these movies from time to time over the years but um but i i don't know it's it's interesting to me because as we get into these types of conversations sometimes it feels like man somebody looking from the outside in on this conversation they might think that we hate star wars i still well, love yeah. star wars so th- so that's the thing so when i went and saw nine i went and saw it with a group of friends and i was the only one that liked it i mean i, wow. I did like i liked the movie like i loved the ending I loved a lot of parts. Like there were, I. The deal with nine is you have to buy in immediately and accept things. Mm-hmm. Accept that Palpatine is back. Accept that these weird force things are 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 like exist and are possible. If you can accept that early, then you can enjoy the movie. If you go in and you see the very first line, which is like the dead speaks, and you're like, "This is stupid," and then you become cynical, then you can make fun of it the whole time and laugh, which is what my friends did, which is fine. You you know, do whatever you want to do. But the thing that frustrates me, to your point, is what I don't like is the idea of like, okay, I liked the trilogy, the prequels, let's just make fun of them. And also eight and nine were terrible as well. So it's really, you're not really, that means that you don't like more than half of the Star Wars universe. You only like the, you know, four or five movies or, you know, three movies. And I just don't, I think if you can't find some enjoyment out of all of, like there are, there are things to enjoy in each of them, each of the Mm -hmm. nine. You can have overarching problems. Pod racing. 
Yeah, exactly. I'm actually I'm okay with that. <laughs> I, I really do. <laughs> I, I think if you, I so then it's like okay, well, what's the, what's the point here of like so you're gonna watch these movies just to not like them and then talk trash on them? That's not necessarily a healthy way to consume. Yeah, maybe you, you should I mean? move on to a better hobby. You know, <laughs> right? Exactly, exactly. So I mean, I think my generation is a little different because like we grew up like '99. I was in kindergarten when. Um, when Phantom Menace came out, right? And so then I was in elementary school. That's when, probably the perfect age for that. Oh my gosh. It was per- <laughs> I had the pod racing like in Nintendo 64 game. Like I found enjoyment when I went and saw two. I don't really anymore because it's not great. The only thing I remember about two really is like it rained a lot in Camino. Two um, is the worst movie. Two is the worst movie. But like fifth grade, going to see three, like that's three is my favorite. Three three remains my favorite Star Wars movie. And so you've been consistent on that through the years that we've known you. Yeah, I mean, it's because it's great because one, like you have to think about what's the point, right? It's to, it's to like childhood enjoyment. It's to remember kind of the fantasy aspect of your brain. It's to bring you some joy. That was like the peak of all those things for me. And also the last hour is a masterpiece that should have been given just the last night, you know, 60 minutes should have been just given an honorary Oscar because it's the perfect, it's just perfect. Um, but that's my point is like, I I don't like when people just go like we went and saw um, solo. Right. And that's, I think solo and rogue one are a little bit like the way that you said, Mike, like that's kind of more fan fiction for me. Like, it's like, this is fine, but I don't really think of this in like the same way. Um, but like we went and saw solo. So you walk into solo, you're like, okay, well this is, you know, this is interesting, uh, you know, take on this character and let's just, you know, take it as it is. Walked out of there and half the people I went with, they were like, that was stupid. And yeah. I was like, well then what are we doing? Then what's the point? You know, you know what flipped the switch for me on Solo is people make fun of this scene, but I, I think it totally fits into what you were saying with the like at, at this moment you have to make a decision. I'm just gonna go with this. When Chewie talks, or sorry, when when Han talks to Chewie in whatever mm-hmm. the Wookiee language is that's either gonna completely lose some people, or if you can get through that, you're fine. Yeah. You're fine with that movie. And the first time I saw it, I was like, that's different. But now when I watch it, I'm just like, I'm like, I know what I'm in for. I'm, I'm going to just enjoy this movie for what it is. It's also interesting, too, to think about it of like, OK, I'm going to decide to accept some things that these are that. Um, OK, this is a, a movie about space and it's people that can move things with their hands and um, there's all these different planets and there's a bad guy and he wears a big scary mask and he's very tall. Um, and there's a thing called pop race. Like, like you can accept certain just bizarre things, but it's like small elements of like, well, I don't know if he'd really gurgle to, to chewy and, and he'd understand it. Like that's right. just a little too far for me. Right. You know, I think that's, I think that's a lot of star Wars fandom of like, what That's you accept. unrealistic. Right. Oh, really? Well, we're going to, okay. I yeah. can only suspend my disbelief so far, guys. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, because it's totally realistic that people can fly through space or right. can, you know, travel, this, literally travel at the speed of light. So I'm curious, Justin, you have been largely silent on the subject specifically of the last film, Rise of Skywalker. Justin, you, you've been pretty quiet about that. What, what, do you have to say about the rise of Skywalker? Well, I, I was actually gonna 
try to see if we could steer this towards what we liked about the rise of Skywalker, because I think there's, there's merit to it. Certainly. I think for the whole final trilogy, I love Ray. I think Daisy mm-hmm. Ridley is incredible. And I think, I think she does a great job. I like the, the Chris, your point earlier about how the, you know, it's seven is alike uh, four, but different. I think the, the immature dark, you know, Sith, idea is really neat and um my wife and i still like like the moment where kylo smiles at the end when he and daisy are happy or i said daisy that's funny but um <laughs> the, that moment right before he dies like that's a really powerful smile it's mm-hmm. like the only smile you get from him in that movie and many others he's a serious actor uh in a lot of his roles um yeah, I watched the report recently, and I don't think he smiles the whole movie. <laughs> no, he takes great his, actor, great I mean, actor. His, but he, but you're, it's a good point. He doesn't smile a lot. In his last, his... his last SNL appearance, like his whole monologue was about, I, I'm a fun guy. Like, oh right, that's I, right. I'm a happy guy. Like, right. These are fun things that I do. Um, so you know, it was fun. It was a fun movie. I saw it in theaters twice, which is two more times than I've seen like any other movie in theaters in the last year. I think. Um, you know, it was fun to revisit the Death Star. I thought the knife mm-hmm. thing was a little corny. Um, As was... an Indiana Jones fan, that didn't bother me too much because that's the kind <laughs> of stuff that happens in Indiana Jones movies. Yeah, it, it was a nice conclusion. I just saw someone posted on Twitter the other day that when Ray lights up her yellow lightsaber, it like tinks like blue, green, yellow. Um, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, nice little touch there. Love, I didn't. I, the final five minutes are incredible. I, I, I yeah. loved the ending. You I end people, exactly where you began. Like, I love that. Yeah, I think, yeah, with her looking at the it's like poetry, two, it rhymes. The two sunsets <laughs> or the two suns setting and um, taking on the mantle of Skywalker. Like, um, you know, she's her story. She's been looking for meaning and family that whole time. And so, I, you know, there's some criticism that you have. This is just solidifying that you have to have, be genealogically connected in order to be a Jedi. I said, no, that's, this is about her individual story. And this is the reason we care about her. She wants to have a family. And, um, you know, in, in eight, when Kylo says to her, you don't, you're nobody, you don't have anybody. Like immediately I thought he's lying. Like he could yeah. be lying. He might be well, telling the truth. That so that, I'm the, fine with fixing that. Right. I, and not to, you want to, I, I, we can talk about things we liked, but that was the one thing about, the final trilogy as well. They made such a big deal by her genealogy. And then they didn't ever like, I think in eight, Ryan Johnson was like, let's just cut this storyline and just say, she's a nobody. And cause the point is that anybody can be, you know, whatever. Um, but the problem was, is like you, so many star Wars fans, right. When he said that they were like, well, that's not true. So then I think whenever they started writing nine, they were like, well, there's this, we still have to finish this storyline of who she actually is. Because clearly in seven, they were writing a story of like, there's going to be a reveal of who the family is and that's going to be a big deal and whatever. Yeah. There's a reason she doesn't have a last name in the first movie. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So I agree. Like there was a, the ending was nice because she gets a family. That's, that's a good point. But, but I think again, one of the flaws of the final trilogy was they had to spend so much time reconciling with seven and eight in her genealogy that then it became such a big deal and that's probably why Palpatine came a big thing. You know what I mean? Sorry, I 
didn't mean a railroad, but you know, it, I, I could have been on board with Palpatine being behind the scenes the whole time if they had even been able to hint at it in the first two. And it wasn't mm-hmm. obvious that they just shoehorned him in because yep. that was the whole you go back and watch the original Star Wars. I think they say something about the Emperor once, but he's not in it. He's not even he's barely mentioned. And so he's introduced in, in Empire and obviously has and it's still a pretty small part. And in three, he's a big part. And then you look at the prequel trilogy where he is clearly in the background and he's not fully revealed until the third. So look, like that's there's precedent for that. I'm fine with that. It's just, you know, that's not was not the yeah. case because it makes didn't you wonder it. makes you wonder what Leia's line that they that they used in that third movie was like always lurking in the shadows the whole time or something. And I wonder what the original piece of dialogue was about what she was talking about. Oh, because that was pre-recorded. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. So who, it could have even been footage from Force Awakens. Who knows? Yeah. But. Yeah. I, I think, like, Palpatine was the natural... I mean, he's the villain of the whole... Of all nine. Yeah, like, he's the mm-hmm. actual villain. And so I... So that was one of the reasons why I liked nine was because, like, I'm all in on Palpy. Like, you, you put him in a movie, I'm in... <laughs> It's great. I love love hearing him talk. Love him just like talking all the time and like just total confidence. Like just just love it. I love his energy. I love how horrible he is. So like <laughs> very first scene in nine is like we're going to see him and he's he's connected to stuff. And that's that's an important moment because if you can go in on that, like, OK, he's here and this is like creepy and cool, then then you can I think you can allow yourself to enjoy nine. But if you are like, this is weird, this is kind of dumb, then I think that's hard to get over. But I liked it. That's one of the reasons I like the new movie is because, again, kind of harping on that fan fiction attitude towards the new movies. This is probably the closest thing that we're going to get to a Dark Empire movie. I don't know if you guys ever read those comics, but mm-hmm. but is man, the, the Palpatine clone. Yeah. Storyline? Yeah. I mean, it's basically a really loose adaptation of that. Palpatine's back. He has inhabited a new body and it's go time. He's going to kill everyone. We better stop him. <laughs> I always remember that storyline being alluded to back in my Star Wars Expanded Universe books phase of junior mm. high. Um, and I always was like, what book did that happen in? So it's nice to hear you say it was in the comic books. And that's why yep. I never found it. Uh, they yep. never mentioned that in the Clone Wars uh, GameCube game. So I was kind of off on that. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting, Chris, to hear you talk about how your introduction to Star Wars was when you were a kid and the prequels were coming out. And my introduction to Star Wars was, bef- I think, I feel like I knew about it before they were re-released in theaters, mm-hmm. but that was really where it became important for me. So now I'm trying to decide, like, what what will I do, how I introduce them to my children? Because there's, Chris, there's a generation after you who their introduction is actually like the Clone Wars television show. Mm-hmm. And so they're all in on the prequel stuff because that's how they've been hooked. And part of me is like, oh, that's not good enough. But whatever. I mean, it's all part of it. And so now I'm trying to decide. Um, my oldest is five, and we haven't. We've read books, but we haven't. I'm really, really trying to hold the surprise of who Luke's father is. As long as you know, I want to mm-hmm. get him to Empire Strikes Back before they learn that. Yep. Right. Yep. I don't know if it's possible in this day and age. That's, that's what I want. That's so cool, though. Like, yeah, man, that that makes me think of it. So working as a youth pastor, I actually remember like this shift that occurred where I started having high school students who would talk, they would speak well of the prequels. 
And mm-hmm. it took it was like an adjustment period for me because I was like, <laughs> everybody I know assumes that they're like embarrassing and dumb. But I have this like 18 year old kid in front of me who's telling me he loves them. What what is this? And, you know, mm-hmm. those guys are, you know, 25 pushing 30 years old at this point, And it's like, oh, OK, so that's that is their Star Wars. That's what they grew up with. So all, all the, you know, all the generation x guys who think that they know everything about star wars suddenly they're just a piece of that puzzle now well it's i mean small example my niece is uh like three and uh her first movie that she went and saw in in theaters was frozen 2 right objectively frozen 1 the original frozen is better than frozen 2 and definitely every way um but you ask my niece hey which one did you like more frozen or frozen 2 Frozen 2, not even close, right? And it's because of what we experience first and because of our connection to it. Like the reason why we like the movies we do or the reason why we like the books that we do is because of our past experiences, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and how we are connected to them. And so the reason why people my age think about or talk about or discuss the prequels more than you know, older generations, it's because that was our experience. Like you're, you came to it afterwards because you, your original Star Wars experiences were with the original ones. And now what's interesting too, is now you have another generation where their first experience is with Mm -hmm. these three. Yep. Right. And so now they're going to look at seven, eight, nine. And I would, I guarantee you, if you took a group of 10 year olds, 11 year olds, and you went and saw nine, they'd walk out and be like, that was badass. That was awesome. <laughs> that was so cool. Whenever, oh, the lightning and it gets all the guys or like, 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 so then now the conversation, Justin, that's such an interesting thought too, of like, how do you introduce your kids to Star Wars now? I personally think you go like in the order they were all released. I agree. Yeah, that's, that's what we'll do. I, I've thought about doing uh machete order, which is four, Tooth, you basically watch every, you leave out Phantom Menace. Yeah, and I you, know. I know you, what you're doing. I'm saying it for Chris. <laughs> you, and then you, so you, you try to keep the surprise of I am your father. Um, so you watch, uh, what's the order? You, you, you watch four, two, four, five, two, three, six. Yeah, seven, eight, yeah. nine, I guess. So oh, you, yeah. you, you start with the original and then you learn Luke, I am your father. And then you immediately flash back to Anakin yeah. as a young man. And you learn about his fall, his him facing temptation, and then him giving into it and falling. And then you flash forward to six, and you see his son now faced with the same trial he faced and how he overcomes it. Mm-hmm. And there and kind like of that. is kind of a, a nice transition there from three to six, too, is because you finally get to see Leia and Luke be born, and then suddenly, boom, it's time for the climax of this story. You know, that's... That's kind of cool. My wife yeah. and I did that before seven came out and it was, it was gratifying. And then you lose some of the, the dumbest parts of the prequel whole series, which is you lose uh, mini chlorians and <laughs> you lose the vast majority of Jar Jar and um, just basically like trade wars. Yeah. You lose some political <laughs> junk. I have heard that there is an edit out there somewhere that, takes the first the the prequel trilogy and edits it into like a three and a half hour movie i've heard yeah discards most of phantom menace if not all of it but hey so i want to wind this conversation down we've been talking for a little while but i want to do it by bringing it back to football 
Chris, you made a really interesting comment about just going on the introduction to Star Wars about how we approach a movie uh, based on our prior, prior experience. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's what it is to be a Husker fan. Like we mm-hmm. approach, we being like, you know, Husker fans our whole lives, you're obviously a reporter, so have a different approach. But we approach these seasons as, as fans who grew up with stuff. And for Mike and I, you know, we grew up with the 90s and, and um, we grew up at the end of this massive stretch of success um, so that really informs who we are. And it's, I think so many people are nervous about what the future of Husker fandom is with the last 20 years of, of kids growing up with not winning football. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, sports, sports in general is rarely about the actual result of the game, right? Like you go to a game, sure, because you like the team, but you like the team because you grew up on that. Like they, it means something in a, you know, not to get whatever, in a more in a metaphorical sense, right? It means that you're it's something that your family has already done has done for years. And that's why a, you have the same seats. That's why yeah. you go to the same parking spot. That's why you tailgate together. Because that's why you obsess over the defensive line. Because if the defensive line plays well, that means that the team wins, which means that your family has a has a pleasant experience at the thing that's your family tradition, right? Like if you went to a family reunion and it was horrible every single year then you re- you eventually stop going and also family reunions don't mean anything to you. Right. Yeah. So that's where it's interesting with, especially I was thinking about this as, um, you know, there's nothing going on in the world. So people are rewatching the nineties. And I think what happened was it was just the perfect storm of like, there became a utopia in the state for about five years. I mean, it was a, you, it was utopian in the way of which Nebraska always won. They always won in the same way. There was a coach who declared and who was like the moral compass of North for the state. Yeah. Right. There were these players who were just set, set such an expectation and you won three national titles. Right. And, and we're awfully close to two more. So exactly. what we're saying is, is that those are the original trilogy. Is that what you're getting at? Yes. No, basically. <laughs> wow. I mean, basically, <laughs> basically like it sets such a high bar and steve that, peterson's like i'm gonna make the best prequels steve peterson is basically is basically jar jar right i mean <laughs> or maybe steve peterson is selling the program to disney <laughs> maybe oh boy but you could also make a big 10 uh thing with that with this oh with okay disney. yeah um but it's interesting though because like not only does nebraska football have to win they have to win the correct way you have to have a coach that says the right things that um, has a true moral compass North. You have to have players that are, have played the same way with the same attitude that the 90, like it's, you have to replicate not only winning, but winning in the exact way in which you perceived it and watched it and experienced it because that was what was comfortable to you as a kid or to you as a teenager or whatever. And the reason why, and you know, not to pay, play victim or whatever. I think the reason why there is negativity toward, you know, reporters or um, people on Twitter that bash, you know, uh, the, the program or even just acknowledge the fact that they're not good. And this isn't just a Nebraska thing. It's a, it's a national sports thing. It's because when I say Nebraska has not gone to a bowl game in three seasons, right? That's a fact. But there 
in, an, in a similar sense, I'm also saying the thing that you really care about is bad. Therefore, that self that in the way that you identify with that means that that part of you is also not good. You, you know what are, I mean? You are meaningless. That means that that <laughs> means that you are also not good. Yeah. And that's where I think we get people saying like, well, that's, you know, and that's where you get upset. And so I think that's where the program is right now, where they're trying to reach a certain point has to be all of the thing. You have somebody from that, you know, era who won leading the program now trying to replicate that in the exact way. Also trying to be kind of the moral compass of the state and also trying to do it in a different time. And it's just kind of this interesting, that's why there are so many of, podcasts right now i like you guys the most just for uh-huh. the record uh-huh. hey. but that's why there's such an interest is because i think there's so many people trying to like figure out in their mind okay why is this happening i need somebody else to commiserate with we need you know you know what i mean that's so that's why i think it is so i think that that's not to you know divulge my whole philosophy but that's where i think the program is at. what else are you going to do during covid19 go into philosophy <laughs> Wow. Maybe and maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm totally wrong and I'm off base, but that's just at least from what I see. That's great. I mean, it's not necessarily great, but that's a great observation. <laughs> how do we? Uh, I'm trying to think of how to land the plane here. I think maybe you favorite just did. quote from Star Wars. Ooh, okay. Do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> Hold on, I'm looking up because I want to get it right. It's whatever Ooh. it's whatever Yoda says to Luke while the tree is burning. Oh yeah, that that's arguably the best moment in the sequel trilogy. Is Yoda sitting next to Luke on that stump or the rock or whatever it is while they watch everything burn? Okay, so it's um, the greatest teacher failure is Luke. We are we are what they grow beyond. That is the true burden of all masters. Mm. Mm. That's a good line. Mm-hmm. How about you, Justin? I don't. I can't think of that <laughs> on the spot. That's too much. I just, just I, here. I can answer it for you. It's the final, uh, or sorry, it's the it's the the dialogue between Obi Wan and Anakin and on Mustafar, right? That actually is a really powerful moment. You're my brother, Anakin. We're well, brothers. Get, yeah. You were my friend. Yeah. You turned her against me. No, that's a really powerful moment. I think the prequels are worth it just for that scene, in my opinion. Uh, How about you have done that yourself? <laughs> you have done that yourself. <laughs> I love you, McGregor. He didn't really deliver that great. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of, that's kind yeah. of a, that was a single. <laughs> and it needed to be a triple. Uh, How about uh, Captain Carpels right before the Battle of Naboo turning to Jar Jar and saying, ouch time. <laughs> Is that real? Did that yes. really happen? It's in there. Oh, what a horrible <laughs> they're, moment they're in like history. All, they're all sitting on those like horse things about ready to go into battle, and he just turns and is like, ouch time, and then everything <laughs> breaks loose. <laughs> oh, man. I've got I a s- bad feeling about this. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> do or do not, there is no try. Mm. Oh, or how about just, I love you, I know. <laughs> that is actually that's a good one. That's probably the most... I'd say the most iconic is probably like I'm your father, but mm-hmm. I know might be the second most iconic. I, so I love good. that line. That is a good one. That callback to that in Rise of Skywalker is awesome too. Remind love me of that. the callback. 
when Kylo is remembering his dad and he just goes, he says, mm-hmm. dad, and his just, you can just see his spirit is crushed in that moment. And there's a pause and Hanso looks back at him and says, I know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. that was good. That was uh, good. Everything, like the interpersonal relationships between like Ben, uh, Han and Leia were always really good. Like I would have wanted more of that. Mm-hmm. Le- Leia's passing was also a really good moment of nine. Like they handled that well. It's a good movie. It yeah. is a good. Well, Chris, thanks for letting me come on. I really appreciate you guys. Like clearly know a lot more than I do, and I really appreciate listening to you guys talk about it. Well, you and- you tell stories for a living, so that you know that's really a meaningful perspective for this conversation. Well, I just appreciate you letting me come and just pitch my Revenge of the Sith propaganda. <laughs> that's great. it's good propaganda it's good stuff somebody has to hand out the pamphlets and (laughs) and it's apparently me and only me but you know i feel like i'm doing important work i can't think of many others doing what you're doing and i thank you for that (laughs) you're welcome we're pulling very low but we have hope (laughs) you may help us you're the only hope (laughs) that is a good one it's a good line chris i don't know if you would have seen it because i don't think anybody saw it but on april fool's day (laughs) <laughs> like uh, changed our whole Twitter platform to be a, what was it? I have screenshots. We, of it. we were the uh, the Star Wars EU podcast. Oh really? And expanded universe. Yeah, I, I went all in, and the problem is, is, I think it was too convincing of a job that people were just like, "Why do I have a Star Wars podcast?" Yeah. yeah. Oh, why, oh, why follow this? That's <laughs> and it wasn't just the Star Wars; it was like niche, you know, like yeah, mm-hmm. yep. Like the the references were, I didn't get. I didn't understand the references, but I knew they were, you know, deep Star Wars references. And I was like, you know, if you just had the Star Wars podcast, people might have maybe got. So the only interactions that that got was from our own personal Twitter. Handles. Oh, yeah. I think I think I made a, a reference to the monks that are in Jabba's palace. Oh, really? <laughs> the little spider robots who have monks brains inside those little orbs. Mm-hmm. That's that's totally EU material right there. And yeah. That's incredible. But That's, uh, he, he had a really great "Help Me, Obi Wan, You're My Only Hope" video that I will send to you, Chris. Okay, yeah, please do. That's, and you all, That's so funny. Everybody listening to this needs to go back and find that tweet and click on it because it's <laughs> it's great. <laughs> when we publish this episode, I'll pin it for a couple of days. Yeah, you should. That's great. <laughs> awesome. That's great. Well, thanks for letting me come on. I appreciate yeah, thank it. Thank you. This you was bet. fun. Our pleasure. I'll come on anytime. All right. Awesome. We like having a recurring perspective. Sure. Uh, yeah. Hopefully people like it. Oh, it's great. I think we they love do. it. I think yeah. at this point people just are desperate for anything. <laughs> That's fair. That's where I come in when they have no other options. <laughs> I can fill that that void <laughs> with something. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. Take care. Take care. Yep. Bye. Justin, just for the duration of quarantine thus far. So the last month, month and a half that we've kind of been settling down. Um, my question for you is, which Star Wars character best represents Justin Swanson in lockdown? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Uh, I thought you were gonna say Chewie just because of your beard, but. Ah. <laughs> uh, I know, I that's a very like, specific question. <laughs> the rancor, it is the rancor living in the pit because I'm recording in the basement. I feel like 
if I listed out the number of places I've recorded this podcast, even in the last month, it would be more than <laughs> I could count. Uh, sure, Chewy. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, you and I have gone different directions with the whole COVID cut thing. Like you shaved your head after a botched is <laughs> botched the right <laughs> failed attempt to cut well, your hair. I, I mean, the the plan was to buzz it um, as it is right now, but that was like almost two weeks ago at this point because what happened was is I used scissors to cut my hair short and then I buzzed it but then uh what I feared came to pass which was I I used the scissors to cut way too close to my scalp at first and so when Mm. I did buzz this I had a bunch of lines up my head and it looked terrible so then I had to take it down and I did have hair I didn't like completely bick my hair but I kind of did look like a fat Sinead O'Connor for a few days (laughs) Uh, so I have just not cut my hair and not trimmed my beard. I shaved my neck this morning, mm. um, and I I gotta keep my my mustache short. That's like the one like non negotiable for my wife. Mm. Um, she's definitely been making comments about the beard, but you know, we'll see how. I I always like to say it's a seasonal beard, and uh, Memorial Day weekend is usually about the time I I take it off, and so uh, you know, got the Lincoln half virtual half marathon coming up. Um, maybe, maybe after that it might be time, but I'm kind of curious to see how big I can get it with no judgment. You know, now, now that you say this, I, I, I might try to answer for you again here. I don't think you're Chewy, man. I think you are Obi-Wan Kenobi, the hermit version of Obi-Wan Kenobi. You are living Mm. in Tatooine in your little hut away from the rest of the world, minding your own business, but there's still a sense of dignity about you. You still got to go to work. You know, even though it's over Zoom, you're you're still taking care of your family, just like he watched after Luke Skywalker. Okay, or Obi Wan. Thank you. I like that better. Who are you? <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> okay, you're the Rancor. Oh man, that's probably the Rancor keeper. That's probably a better description of me. I I, I am practically living in the basement of a, of a home that somebody else owns. I'm eating a whole bunch of crap. <laughs> and then when sunlight touches me, I scream. <laughs> well, Mike, it has been, uh, it was a fun Husker weekend. It was fun to see the cheerleaders do the Husker power thing. I thought it was so funny, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tweeted out, I, I bet these were all recorded on the same day, just different times of day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And the band did Hail Varsity, and um, you know it was the the a lot of the sights and sounds of a of a spring game of what would have been a beautiful spring game mm. weather wise by the yeah. way yeah uh, but we would have gotten burnt so bad so we were spared that so that's <clears> nice uh, but yeah it's fun to fun to be able to podcast about it and uh, I guess officially conclude our spring portion of the podcast yeah yeah christened with a lightsaber i can add in the sound effect there what you said mine wasn't good enough i mean i thought that you just played something from a soundboard that's crazy that was your (laughs) that was you yeah hey folks uh by the way 
thank you so much for supporting Central Nebraska Buffalo. Um, I just saw a Facebook post from them today saying that they received so many orders over this weekend that they actually had to do some work ahead of time to get things ready to mail out on Monday, which is the day after we're recording, the day before you're hearing this. But um, yeah, that's just awesome to hear that people are supporting local businesses like that. Um, just head over to central, what is it, cnbuffalo.com. We say that every week and I just forgot it. But yeah, cnbuffalo.com and you can place an order to be mailed out next Monday. Also, uh, Kendra and Jace, they both, I mean, they both have two jobs, basically this and then Jace is farming and Kendra works as a, at her local hospital. So thank you to Kendra for being a frontline uh, medical worker in this time. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder... I wonder if Herbie Vore is a Star Wars fan. Sure. <laughs> I think we're reaching that, that part of the podcast. Hey, thanks again so much to Chris Hetty for joining us. For real, guys, um, he is so gracious to speak with us on a semi-regular basis at this point. Um, sure. Every time that we've asked him, he's he's just kind of been had come to us with this kind of open attitude of like, yeah, let's chat. So, um, so cool. Um, I love having him on the podcast. Uh, and it's even cooler that he, uh, largely agrees with my opinions about star Wars. (laughs) 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 All right, Mike, I don't think there's anything else to be said, but go big red. McClunky. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The Husker Football Fan Podcast is an unofficial, non-commercial podcast and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. The views expressed on this podcast belong solely to the individuals expressing them. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with the Nebraska Cornhuskers or the University of Nebraska. Nebraska.